few weeks ago, I was reading through and thinking about this message, and I came across an article where a lady had been missing for a little bit, and so they did a goodwill check at her house, and they found her. And unfortunately, when they found her, she'd passed away. And so as they began to do research, they began to find out, like, how did she pass away? How long had she been passed away? And uh, they found out she'd actually been dead for four years. Four years. Now, can you imagine being gone for four years and no one missing you? Now, her neighbors weren't surprised. As a matter of fact, when they called the brother, the brother said, hey, I thought she was in a nursing home, so I didn't think anything of it. They, uh, the neighbors, one of the neighbors got tired of looking at the yard, so they started paying their son and then their grandson to kind of mow the yard and take care of the yard. One winter, the pipe broke, and so the company came and fixed it and just kind of closed it off and shut the water and they knew hey if somebody was on vacation they'd come back and ask for it to be fixed and and one reason after another someone always thought hey they must just be gone or whatever but after four years there's a goodwill check and they walked in and they see this person and she was never ever missed for four years now most of us we sit there and they think what a tragedy and yes it is a tragedy but this lady's neighbor said it doesn't surprise us because she would never she would avoid us whenever she would go out she wouldn't say hi she actually ran away from community for most of us we want to be known at least a little bit that when we walk into a room like this that at least one person recognizes us and says hey chris how are you but for some people they just don't want it but for most of us we do want community and this morning what i want us to think about is not just someone saying hi hi chris how are you but for us to understand what biblical community looks like and what it means for us to truly be known. to be known. So as we continue our series on Creed, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 2, and we'll dig in there in Acts chapter 2. What does it look like for us to be in community together? Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41. Now here is the beginning of the church, as Ms. Mary taught us a little bit earlier, that we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is the time when Jesus is alive, and his ministry. And so now Jesus has been dead, buried, and he's resurrected. And so at this moment, right before this, the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples in the upper room. And Peter is preaching the first sermon of the New Testament church. And so as he's preaching, as he's preaching, all the people that are there from all different nations, tribes, and tongues hear him in their tongues. So there's a miracle that's happening. There's something, God is doing something. There's action and activity that's happening in the New Testament church. And that's What marks the New Testament church, even us as a church here at Second Baptist Church, we're considered a New Testament church. And so there should always be activity and movement of God happening. If not, then we become a social club and we cease being a church. So here Peter is preaching the first sermon. And as he's preaching the first sermon, he's telling them about Jesus. He's telling them about the good news and about what happened to Jesus on the cross. And if they receive that message, then here's what happens. Look at verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized. So that's why here at Second Baptist, when someone says, hey, I profess, I believe that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient to cover over my sins, they make that public profession. One of the very first things that we do is we open up these things back here behind the cross and we baptize. It's that profession. It's the first symbolic movement of, hey, saying, we've said yes to Jesus, and now we're also we're professing that in front of everyone, and, and the first step of that is baptism. So you can see that even in the early church. And then what do they do? They were added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That's pretty good. Pretty good, right? So most of Lagrange said, hey, Peter, I believe what you're preaching. I am in need of a Savior. I am in need of what Christ has done on the cross for me. And therefore, upon that public profession, 
They then followed through with baptism. That would be, you'd have to bring your lunch for that, wouldn't you? Okay, that would be a good day, wouldn't it? When you're like, hey, I don't know, I don't know what time we're going to get home. Hey, listen, the Cowboys, they're going to lose anyway. The Texans, who knows what's happening. We're just going to miss it because we're just going to be baptizing. We're going to be seeing lives transformed and we're going to be celebrating that. That would be an incredible day. And so here we have the beginning of the New Testament church. Peter preaches, people hear it in their own in their own language and are therefore moved to receive Christ, be baptized, and they join the church that day. They get into a community. And so the very next verse in, in chapter verse 42 then begins to tell us what a New Testament church looks like. What are some of the things that a New Testament church does in community? So look at verse 42. All the believers, so those people that had just said yes, devoted themselves to one apostle's teaching. So in other words, they did this. They gathered together on a Sunday and they opened up the word. They got into a life group and they opened up God's word and they began to to teach, began to understand. And so obviously early on in the church, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and all these different things. And so the apostles were teaching, and they were sharing what they had, the teachings that they had gathered from whenever they were with Jesus. And so as they were going around and teaching and talking about things, they were talking about what Jesus was doing. It was focused solely on Jesus and who he is and what he's about. And as followers of Jesus, that's our thing. When we gather together here, our central focus is the cross. Our central focus is Jesus. And again, if our central focus isn't the cross, if our central focus isn't Jesus, then again, we stop being, we cease being a New Testament church. We become something else. And so, again, I would tell you, if we ever stop focusing on the cross and stop focusing on Jesus, then don't show up because you're wasting your time. As a matter of fact, it would be better for you to probably just send your money to the country club and go eat there because it wouldn't be worth coming here because we wouldn't be doing what we're supposed to be doing. And so we gather together on a weekly basis to open up God's word, to study and to understand who Jesus is and how as followers of him, we can be motivated to look and act and, and feel and, and just know and do life like Jesus did life and as he taught his disciples to do life. So they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and then they were also devoted to fellowship. Now listen, I grew up Southern Baptist and all good Southern Baptists love fellowships. They love having fellowships. Why? Because whenever there's a fellowship, what happens? You get to eat, right? I mean, have you ever seen a skinny Southern Baptist preacher? No, there's not very many of them, okay? Because you get to eat. And one of the things I was trained, this is like a seminary class. When you go to, to eat at a fellowship, you are to try every single person's food because they're going to ask you. Aunt Sally, Grace, whoever it is, they're going to ask you. They've made broccoli cheese casserole. They've made something and it's a new recipe you better try it and know it and don't give your honest opinion all right you just say it was good i tried it it was good okay and then go on you give a little a thank you taste all right and so fellowship and so we think about that we think about gathering together and having food and all that and those are good things but that's not really what the teaching here is about it's about gathering together but we gather together as a new testament church around the fellowship that we have in the person of jesus christ is that we share a bond that's a deeper bond, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so that when we gather together, we're gathering together around God's Word, we're gathering together around a a moment that we have said yes to Jesus, and that draws us together as brothers and sisters. Now listen, you could be in a bowling league and be an awesome bowler, and you gather every week bowling, and that's a great thing of fellowship, but gathering together to fellowship to bowl is not the same as gathering together to fellowship over God's Word. It's two different things. There's a depth of relationship that happens. 
And so that's why I even tell you that if you are to have to choose, I know we all live extremely busy lives, and if there's a week that you have to choose coming here on Sunday morning at 9.15 or 10.30 and or going to your life group, I would tell you go to your life group that week because you are doing life together and you are doing deep fellowship together and that you need that type of fellowship so that whenever you walk into a place like this, it's not just, hey, Chris, it's, hey, Chris, and people know you. Now, I also understand that that's the one of the things that for most of us that we're most scared about is that we want people to know us, but we don't want people to know us. As a matter of fact, whenever I talk to people in counseling, there comes a point where I know and I can see it and I can understand it that I have to say, listen, probably for you to get the healing, for you to get what you need in this relationship as pastor, counselor, whatever, you probably need to go see someone else because you don't want to dig down deep because you don't want me as I'm preaching looking out and seeing you and you're going, hey, I know your stuff, right? But we need to be known because it's in those places where we allow ourselves to be known, whether it's through friends in church, whether it's through a counselor, when we're in those known that healing and restoration can take place and the deep stuff that God wants to deal with can be dealt with. That's what true fellowship is that as we open up God's word whenever we're in God's word it begins to chisel and begins to show us there's some places in our heart and our life and our soul that need to be need to be changed need to be morphed need to be chiseled away and that's scary for us and then as a part of that we go to fellowship we begin to talk about hey here's what God is doing in me here's what God is teaching me here's what God is showing me and again that's a whole nother level of vulnerability that's a whole other level of intimacy with someone and saying listen here's who I truly am I know that I've got this mask and this mask and this mask but I'm going to take all these masks off in life group right here in this relationship with this person this other man or this other woman together as we do life together and you can see me truly there's no pretense it's truly Chris in this moment and for most of us Maybe if not all of us, it's extremely scary to be known. But it's in that place of vulnerability that intimacy truly happens. Into me see happens. And when someone gets to see into you and you confess who you truly are, there is life-giving stuff that happens. The power of the Holy Spirit moves because you get out of the way and you allow God to bring healing in that place. The believers gathered together and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals. Again, they must have been Southern Baptists early on. They were doing the Lord's Supper and they were also praying. One of the things that has a tendency sometimes to get left out of a church service is praying. It's because we, we, we have an hour, we have an hour and five minutes and we've got to check off the things we've got to do. And sometimes prayer kind of gets left out of that, even though there's prayer preparation and, and, and for all this, this message and the worship and all those different things, but that sometimes get left out. And so one of the things that we're praying about here, that I've been praying about here, is that we've become even more of a praying church because the things that are happening here through Second Baptist, through you guys, are happening because you're a praying church. So I already know that. But also I think we need to have a place, and so I'm praying about we're going to find a place in this building that will be dedicated to just prayer. And so during the service, if you show up and you're like, hey, Listen, it's been one of those weeks. I'm sure the message will be great. I'm sure the songs are going to be great. But I just need someone to, to pray with me because it's, life is overwhelming. The burdens are overwhelming. Let's just go into this prayer room and let's, let's pray together. That we have some place like that that you can do that. Or there's decisions that you need to make that, to do that. And so in the, in the next few months as we kind of modify maybe the building a little bit to do some different things, that's one of the main things I want us to be able to do. Because prayer is central 
to transformation. That as a church, remember Second Chronicles 7.14, which we open up the service with. If my people who are called my name will do what? Will humble themselves. Literally, prospect, get on the floor in front before God and say, listen, I am not God, you are, and I bow before you. There's something powerful that happens when we pray. And the New Testament church was motivated and moved by the Holy Spirit because it was a church and a group that prayed. As a matter of fact, it wasn't even called a church at the beginning. It was called the way or the movement because the people were moving, that they were the called out ones, the ecclesia. Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over all of them. In other words, as they gathered together, people were in awe of what was happening. The Spirit of God was moving. And you've been in, in services where you can just sense God is up to something, whether it's in you or those around you. And this is that, that thing. And, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, this is the... One of the, the hallmarks, one of the highlights, one of the characteristics, main characteristics of a New Testament church is that we are seen as, or we should be seen as, the most generous people in the world. And so what that means is, is that as we gather together as brothers and sisters, that there comes a point where we know, hey, so-and-so is in need. They're truly in need of something. And so as a body that we gather together and say, how can we meet that need? And so in the early church, they would gather together and say, hey, listen, brother and sister so-and-so, they need something and so we know how we're going to do that so i've got six iphones i only need five so i'm going to sell five iphones that's what they do y'all y'all know what i'm talking about y'all have that and so we as we moved recently we realized hey we have still extra stuff as we've been kind of getting rid of things we still realize hey we have more things and so how can we be generous with the things that we have even in preparation this week and thinking about this of of how can we me individually but as a church how can we be more generous one of the things that came to mind for me was, was this, and reading through an article, was one of the authors was talking about most of us, when we receive something or when we pray for something, and God, would you please, I need this, or you're asking for something, when we get it, we get it and we grab it and we hold on to it. Right? You ever do that? You get your Christmas gift and you're like, you're so excited about it, you get it and you open it up and you're like, oh, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And that's okay for a second. But if you grab something and you hold on to it here, then it's, then it's here. You can never receive anything else. You're just you're here with it. And what God wants for us and what the characteristic of a New Testament church is, is that our arms are not here, but our hands are here. And so that as we pray and we say, hey, God, we need or we're receiving, that we're in constant receiving mode, but this is also constant giving mode. And that maybe some of the very things that you're praying for and you're asking for that God blesses you with, he's giving to you for a time so that, you, you know what, maybe your neighbor is praying for some of the similar things and some of the same things. And so as you receive it and you enjoy it and take pleasure in it, then you have the open eyes to say, listen, you know what, also my neighbor may need this. And so, but if we have a tendency to pray and ask and receive and we hold instead of praying and asking and having open hands and saying, God, it's here, but then who can I share it with? And then that's the characteristic of a New Testament church that so we even talk about as you become a member here and you go through the new member class at Second Baptist, we talk about growing in generosity. And that, that there's this idea for us as, as followers of Jesus is that we grow in our understanding of how blessed we are, of how much he's given us and how much he's bestowed upon us. Even with us as being American Christians, we have more things, so even more for us an opportunity to receive and to pass on to others as well. To be marked by a spirit of and a notion of generosity that's not mine, that I'm literally receiving so that I can pass on to other people. Verse 46. 
They worshiped together at the temple each day. They liked coming together on a regular basis. They met with each other in the homes for Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. This is something that the church, the people saw them, and they saw who they were and the life change that was happening, and that people were saying, listen, I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of that movement. I, want, I see what God is doing in the individual lives. I see what God is doing in the lives of those people in that congregation, and I want to be a part of that. And that's one of the things that I pray for us every single day, as often as I possibly can, is, God, would you so move in the hearts of our people? God, would you so move in this congregation that people are drawn to you, not to this congregation, but that they're drawn to you, that this body would be an irresistible influence within the community that as you do things people are drawn here and they say i need what these people got and these people have got jesus more than they've got second baptist more than they're baptist more than anything else that they've got jesus and jesus is transforming their life and it's becoming an irresistible influence and they're generous and and life looks totally different than everybody else's lives and they want that because i guarantee you your neighbors your classmates your co-workers need that even in this county, more than 85% of people in this county do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That should break our hearts. As a New Testament church, we should be moving and going and be a part of a Holy Spirit movement that's transforming and seeing lives transformed again. I would much rather us give our money to the country club than to give our money here if we're going to just gather together and not see hearts and lives transformed. Our duty and responsibility as a New Testament church is to be moved by the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, is to resurrect us to new life, new eyes, and new tastes. And for us as a community, for us to be known, and listen, I know that it's scary. I know that most of us, if not all of us, that we've been hurt by people that we trust the most. But listen, God desires to work deep in your heart and your soul, and the best place that He can do that is if you trust yourself and put yourself on a place of trust with others and do deep relationships with them. And one of the best places I know that you can do it is get into a life group. As we start those up in the fall, be looking for those. We'll, share, we'll have people share some testimonies of what God's been doing in them and through them through life groups this, this fall and this past year. I've heard from people that have been doing church for their entire life and, I, and, and have said, hey, I wish I had been in a life group 50 years ago because of the relationships, because of the things that God has done in me and has shown me because of this time together. So may we be a New Testament church here at Second Baptist. May we be a people that's known. I know some of you want to fill in your, your fill in the blank, so let me give that if you, um, if you, um, to you real quick. If you believe in something, join it. If you believe in something, share it. If you believe in something, support it. If you believe in something, join it. If you believe in something, share it. If you believe something, support it. Let's pray together.